Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Giancola from the USGA, joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Mike Trosel. Mike, how are you out there? Dave, doing well. Thank you. Today, Mike and I are excited to be joined by Jessica Corda, who just last month posted the fifth ever 60 in LPGA history on her way to winning the Diamond Resorts Tournament of Champions in a playoff against Danielle Kang. But before winning six LPGA Tour events, she was a friend of the USGA playing on the 2010 Curtis Cup USA team. The same year, she finished runner-up at the U.S. Women's Amateur, which, funny enough, was won by Danielle Kang. So quite the full circle storyline there. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Congrats on the recent win. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jess, before we get into uh, the actual victory and and the you had in the playoff there, I want to focus a little bit on your third round. And, And actually, it started a little bit the day before you end the second round with three straight bogeys and then have a nice start on Saturday. You birdied the first two holes and then seven straight pars. So you're two under making the turn, and then all of a sudden, you just start going crazy making birdies and and an eagle. When on that Saturday, in that third round, when you shot 60, did you know something special was happening? On the 17th hole. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I've gotten that question a lot. And they're like, did you know know, that you had a chance to shoot 59? And I was like, no, and that's probably a good thing, to be honest with you, because you know, you don't want to get in your head. And sometimes, um, you know, being in your head for for a score like that, it's it just you end up making more mistakes trying to be more aggressive and playing something that isn't natural to you at the time. And um, golf is such a fickle sport that, um, you know, you, you take the good with the bad and you never really know what you're going to get. And I think that's what makes a lot of us come back. Well, it certainly was uh, an impressive uh, Saturday, and we'll get to the conclusion in just a little bit. But for those that are listening at home who you know, might be playing a great round through 14 or 15 holes, trying to break par, break 80, break 90, whatever they're trying to do for the first time, you know, is there a certain mindset that you have when you're playing competitive golf and are going along playing good, but what it takes to, to turn that good round into a really special one? Cuts dropped um, at the end of the day that's what it is and a little bit of luck um i always say it's so hard to win on the lpga tour the talent um is so high and you know our scores are getting lower and lower each week i mean if you look at danielle for example at diamond resorts i think she only had made one birdie or, or sorry one bogey in uh 72 holes and that in itself is is so so impressive and you have to raise your game and so when when momentum and birdies are kind of on your side, you you just got to take full advantage of it because you don't know what the other person might be doing or what the next day might even bring. Yeah, and on Sunday, obviously, you're playing with your sister Nelly and Danielle Kang in what, what was a quite a competitive end to the Diamond Resorts. But on Saturday, there was a celebrity aspect to it. You were playing with NFL wide receiver and shoe-in Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald and Fox News anchor Brett Baer. What was that experience like? I read a couple articles, one on Golf.com particularly, talking about how they kind of backed off of you on that back nine because you were in the zone. What was going through your head? What was the chemistry like with those guys? Oh, it was so much fun. Um, they're such great guys. And you know, I realized, you know, I was kind of just like, why aren't they talking to me? Like, why are they walking <laughs> so far behind me or so far in front of me? And then, then on the tee boxes, I kind of was like, I was obviously chit-chatting because we had waited a little bit that day. But 
all, you know, Larry was all of a sudden picking up his ball. He's like, all right, Jess, you, you got this. You got to make it. And in my head, I was just like, obviously, like, so I'm trying to make all of them. But um, I didn't think much of it. And then I had Eagle 17, and I looked at my scorecard properly instead of just writing down the scores. I was like, oh, 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 okay. Like, if I birdied the last hole, this is going to be something pretty cool. And I was like, all right, just put the, put the scorecard back in the back pocket and don't think about it. And, you know, just 17 so hard. So you're just trying to hit the green and, and a par is a really good score. So even to have an opportunity for a birdie was great, but they were hyping me up and um, it was just, it was a great dynamic. And I really did do like the aspect um, of our tournament of champions being with celebrities that you don't necessarily get to mingle with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's a bit like a pitcher throwing a no-hitter to, to draw a sports parallel where, you know, that pitcher's had eight perfect innings, heads to the dugout, and no one talks to him, right, because he's in the zone. But you were in the zone on Saturday and obviously throw up the 60, so it's it's really kind of a pinnacle of the weekend, but you have a big day ahead, right? The celebrities go home. It's you, your sister, Danielle Kang, with a lot on the line, and it had been three years almost since you were in the winner circle. How did you refocus on Sunday, say, okay, that 60 was great. It's in the past. Now I need to take care of business. I, I mean, I'm now I can be very excited about it. I just think at the time I was like, okay, that was cool. But like, I still have another day to go. And as, as a professional golfer, that's my motto. I never get too excited on a Thursday after a good round. And I never get too excited about, um, at, you know, Friday and Saturday about a good round of Sunday when we can really celebrate and kind of take a deep breath and take in what we've done that week. Um, that's something that I've had to learn being on tour. Same thing. You don't get too excited about one good hole. Um, you just, you take it for, and you're very grateful for it, but um, you don't celebrate it at the time. Um, so I think that just being out on tour and, having that experience and having that mindset really helped me um, get into it on Sunday. Yeah. And just a very solid 66 in the final day in that playoff, you make that uh, clutch 25 foot birdie putt that ends up uh, winning the tournament for you. Now your mom and dad were both there and, and both, I understand celebrated birthdays uh, in the past week. So what was it like to have the two of them there? Plus your sister, Nellie, whom you played with in the final round, there for that really special moment when you were able to hoist the trophy again oh it was awesome um my sister was there for my win in thailand and that was really the first family member that i've won in front of um dad was there for you know a couple of ajgas and um i think they've they've mostly been there with me through a lot more heartbreak than they have been triumphs um so it was super nice to to have them there uh, shooting 60 on my dad's birthday i gave him the ball um, after the day was done and, you know, put a little happy birthday 60 number on there for them. And, um, it was just really, really great to be able to share that moment with them because they finally were able to celebrate as a family. And like I said before, you know, my, my parents and my sister and my brother, they're always there for me. Um, when I'm low and I've been, we've had a lot of lows, um, the last couple of years. And so to, be able to celebrate a high with them like that is um, just made it that much more special. Yeah, how special it is, especially in the time we're living in, when a lot of times we can't get everyone together. 
uh, especially in the last year, to be able to celebrate as a family. It certainly is special, and it, it's a natural segue to get to know your family a bit. I think, obviously, a lot of people know your, your sister, Nellie, of course, and your father, mm-hmm. Peter, a Grand Slam champion, winning the 1998 Australian Open in tennis. Your mother, Regina, competed in the Olympics, top 30 in the world in tennis in the early 90s. And your brother, though, is making a name for himself on the court as well. Sebastian, he won the 2018 Australian Open 20 years to the day that your father won the men's singles title, which is quite a storyline in itself. But now he's climbing up those ATP rankings in the top 100. Is he making a run? I mean, there's a lot of quarters in the headlines here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so special to share the stage with your family. Um, I think, you, you know, you give, you give us a great rundown of the, uh, of the court of background. Um, but it, it's just fun. You know, we get to be each other's biggest cheerleaders and um, through off season, we all talk to each other and, um, you know, try to do some of our preps together, obviously at different times because um, Seb starts his season a bit earlier than Nellie and I do, but, um, it's just been so great to be able to, you know, talk about what it's like being under pressure and how we all think very similarly about a lot of situations and then, you know, where we can learn from each other. Um, when I've been able to watch my brother in Daytona play in January and his resilience and just being able to concentrate on that that point that he's playing right then and there, and you know, being positive and keeping his emotions under wraps was so inspirational to me and definitely something that, I am trying to now implement into my game, um, you know, saying that your 20 year old brother is, has more patience than you sometimes is, uh, it, it's a tough pill to swallow, but a good one at that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I was going to ask about that mental edge, how you share thoughts, but you beat me to it. So I'll, I'll take it back a little bit, you know, growing up with such an athletic family, your father really at the pinnacle uh, of the sport of tennis. How did you get into tennis, golf, and how did you choose? And then how did your family help you get into the game of golf competitively? Well, we actually got, or I got started in golf um, at the David Ledbetter Golf Academy back in uh, 98. I started taking lessons there because dad had moved um, our family um, to the U.S to Bradenton for him to use the Boletary Academy for tennis and it was a very good place for him to travel in and out of and they just loved the family vibe and the Florida life um and so that's really where I got started my mom was taking me out to all these golf lessons and I was still playing tennis here and there but I just never loved it um I honestly love gymnastics and figure skating the most but um being six feet tall and <laughs> being a gymnast is not realistic or a figure skater so that dream um, disappeared very quickly on me. Um, and so then I was kind of left with golf and tennis. And um, I enjoyed like the social aspect of golf more. Um, tennis just felt fake to me being out on the courts. Um, and obviously everyone knows the story of doesn't come out wanting to run as a kid. So, you know, there's always that part of it as well. Um, but I just really enjoyed golf. I love the, the social aspect of it. And um, being able to play with just about everyone, anyone and everyone, you know, I grew up with the, with Paula Kramer playing, Julieta playing, um, some great junior junior golfers um, that, you know, were great amateurs and pros. So I had really like the best of both worlds with the social aspect and just kids pushing me and wanting to be super competitive with them. Um, so 
So I had a great childhood. Yeah, and just your, your golf game really took off in, in your teens. And, and we'll talk about the women's dam that Dave alluded to when you finished runner-up in 2010. But 2008, you're 15 years old, and you qualify for the U.S. Women's Open at Interlochen. Can you talk a little bit about that experience uh, playing there as a 15-year-old? And, and not just playing, but you finished in the top 20, which is you know a great year anytime, but never mind for a 15-year-old. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I it was such a great experience. I had Nelly was with me um, in the locker room and we were taking everything in. It just very special experience. You know, that was my first taste of women's professional golf. And I, I was enamored. Like I needed this. After that, every single year I was concentrating on playing in the U S women's open. Um, I didn't care what I needed to do. We were, I was qualifying for that event. Um, you know, not just the whole superstar aspect that I felt like a little superstar signing autographs during uh, a private round from T to T. And, um, you know, I just, I love those high pressure moments, making the cut, um, enjoying the locker room. I love the gifts that we were getting at registration. Um, you know, I still have like, I think I, I got like a bake set my first year I played. And then the next year we got a coffee machine. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and the courtesy cars and all of that. And as a kid, you're, you know, you love all the, the behind the scenes stuff that not a lot of people get to see, but also the way the golf courses were set up and how you were treated as a player, I think is always just so special. And like I said, that it was always my goal to qualify for the next U.S. Open and never miss one. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still going strong on that. Yeah, you haven't missed one. It's been 13 straight, another strong performance in Houston this past year. You mentioned the courtesy cars. You couldn't even drive that first year. You were a passenger for uh, for those yeah. years. But an exceptional performance. Uh, the only round in the 60s on Sunday. You shot a 69. Pretty heady stuff for a 15-year-old. Um, you know, Coming up next, the Curtis Cup. Uh, you played, represented the USA on the Curtis Cup team at Essex County. What was that experience like, representing your country and teaming up with Lexi Thompson? in a victorious uh, Curtis Cup appearance in 2010. Oh, it was so fun. We still talk about it sometimes. Um, you know, we obviously also now play together at the Solheim Cup and um, having friends that you've gone through various stages of life with is so special. And that's another reason why I love playing golf. You know, a lot of my friends I've been friends with since I was like 10 years old or have known since I was 10 years old. And these friendships, they they go with you through life. and that's so special and playing Curtis cup was so much fun. Um, I lo- we loved, we, I still talk to, um, Jennifer song and Stephanie Kono about this all the time. Like the amount of food those two consumed after we won was shocking. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that in my entire life. And so we, every time I see them, I'm like, do you remember that time at Curtis cup? Um, and a lot of those girls play out on tour and, you know, those are the friendships that, that you really cherish because you went through something very cool and, um, something that not a lot of people, people get to play and go through and travel the world with these amazing women. So to be able to, to know them as adults and, you know, as juniors is is really, really cool. It's a bond that will last you for forever. Yeah, we hear about that a lot, the bonds that are made on these team competitions, particularly the Curtis Cup and the Walker Cup. It, it truly is friendships that last, last a lifetime. And then a couple months later, you go to the 2010 U.S. Women's Amateur, and 
the U.S. amateurs are grueling. Uh, you know, for those that aren't as familiar as as everyone on this call is, you know, you got to make it through stroke play. Then round of 64, 32, 16, quarters, semis, finals, a 36-hole final. I mean, it is an intense week. Take us through really the women's amateur as a whole and then maybe what you learned uh, after coming runner-up in 2010 that fueled your competitive spirit. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a grueling week. Um, it was, uh, I can't, honestly, I, I don't remember a whole lot of it. It was so long ago. Um, but I remember always having extra socks in my, in my, um, golf bag because I knew that after the, the first 18, I needed something else. And I had to play a lot of my Curtis cup teammates. Um, and so that was pretty difficult because, you know, playing, playing just anyone in match play, is it's pretty cutthroat I would say it's you know one-on-one um it's not just about the shots it's also about the mentality that you bring into it um and so playing your friends is always tough um and I think honestly I think Lisa McCloskey took me to like I don't know I think three or four extra holes one day and I was like oh my gosh I'm not gonna get this energy back and I was playing really well and so were the girls like you know you're winning with birdies and I was playing some really great golf and um I think my dad was telling me I was like 27 under for for the week um so I was playing some really great golf and um it's it taught me to never give up because you never know what's going to happen. And it also taught me that the tournament doesn't start till the back nine. Um, and that's a lot of it. You know, you're up playing match playing. You could be two up through nine and then you could also lose the match two down. Um, so you can never let up tournament starts to back nine. And, um, but it also taught me to have so much fun, you know, match play is really fun at the same time. As much as it's cutthroat, it's also really, really fun. Yeah. You're all square through 33 holes in that one. It was a thriller and you're right. You know, match play starts on the back nine. And as you showed us a couple of weeks ago, a 60 can start on the back nine as well. Uh, but taking you to the present day, just wrapped up a, an intense season, a very different season, obviously, with this COVID world that we're all living in. Uh, and the Women's Open, if somebody had told you two years ago that the 2020 U.S. Women's Open would end on a Monday in December, I think you would have called them crazy. What was that like playing a major in December? And what's it going to be like with only about six months between U.S. Opens? It was very interesting. Um, it was super cold. And we had played the week before that in Dallas where I, I don't think I've ever been that cold in my life. Um, but we had a feeling it was going to go into Monday um, just by looking at the weather. Um, it's cold, man. Like it's, <laughs> Texas in December is no joke. And that's definitely one thing that we learned. Um, but they did such a great job preparing the golf course for us and the staff and the USGA and everybody that was working on it. Um, they really did did a great job setting up the golf course. It, it was playing much longer and tougher, I think, than other U.S. Opens just because you had that extra um, variable of the coldness. So that part made it really tough. But I'm really excited to hopefully get everything started back on time. Um, in terms of having only six months between Opens, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I think, you know, we've got a great venue coming up that a lot of us are super excited about. Um, it's a major worthy venue, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. 
Jess, have you had a chance to get out to the Olympic Club to play there at all? No, that's a little too far away from Florida to go on like a weekend <laughs> trip. Um, we play out there um, once a year, um, and so I'm I'm pretty excited to. I never really like to go too far in advance because the golf course always plays different. Um, you know, during the U.S. Open, uh, so I don't I don't see myself going too too early to go for advanced practice. Well, of course, that's hosted many U.S. Opens. will host a U.S. Women's Open for the first time uh, this year in 2021. Should be a lot of fun. Now, just before we let you go, uh, I just wanted to go back to something you said a little bit earlier. You called your sister your best friend. But I was watching Golf Channel last week and saw someone who might challenge her for that role, your golden doodle, Charlie. What can you tell us about Charlie, how much you get to see him, and any tricks he might have? Uh, Charlie travels with me almost every week we're in the U.S., so I see him a good amount. He's usually usually why I am the first one to leave from the tournament site. Uh, I try to cut all my interviews pretty short because I'm like, well, I got to go get him. So um, it's a good excuse to be able to leave early. Um, he's honestly, he's the best. My sister absolutely loved having him at tournaments as well. Uh, what, what a great distraction. Um, and something, you know, to, to do other than golf, especially during our lockdowns, you know, we're, we don't eat out or anything like that. So with him, we're able to go to the park, um, you know, and just, just let him, let him be him and make us laugh and give us snuggles and kisses. And he's the best. <laughs> That's great. And Jessica, for all of the Jessica Corda fans out there, of which there are many, where can they find you next? Where will you be playing next? We have an event um, coming up in the um, Lake Nona at the end of February, and then we're in Ocala the week after, and I think we have a week off, and then then we're out in California for a couple of weeks before uh, our first major of the year, the ANA Inspiration. Awesome. Off to the races. Incredible. Well, thank you, Jessica. We really appreciate you joining us today, and we, we can't wait to see you at the Olympic Club in San Francisco in early June. Again, uh, pretty incredible to have a, a six-month turnaround. We're excited for it. So thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. And again, it'll be here soon, the U.S. Women's Open. So keep it locked to uswomensopen.com and at U.S. Women's Open on both Twitter and Instagram in the lead up to the 76th playing of this incredible championship. Thanks again for our guest, Jessica Corda, and my co-host, Mike Trosel. I'm Dave Giancola, and we'll talk to you next time.